Hello, everyone, and welcome to the lecture podcast on determining audience and purpose based on the materials in your open access textbook, The Word on College Reading and Writing. As always, you can find the lecture slides that support this lecture podcast in the Canvas module. So let's start our discussion of this chapter with the distinction between the audience and the reader. So anyone who reads a text is a reader, but the audience would be the person or people an author creates a text for. So the audience, also often referred to as the intended audience, are the targets of the text. When you are a writer, Thinking about your audience helps you to craft the sorts of strategies that you want to use in order to reach your audience. So the more you know about your audience, the more you can make informed decisions about the rhetorical techniques that you think will work on them. So good questions to ask. What do I know about my audience? Uh, Age, gender, interests, biases, or concerns. Do they have an opinion already? Do they have a stake in the topic? You will get different feedback. For example, if you ask a group of college students about the effect of raising tuition prices than you would if you asked a group of, say, grandparents. Uh, Another good question to ask about your audience is, what do they know about my topic? What does the audience not know? What do they need to know? What kind of information can you give them in order to inform or persuade them? Another good question to ask, what details might affect the way this audience thinks about my topic? How will facts, statistics, personal stories, examples, definitions, other types of evidence, how will they affect this audience? What sorts of evidence will work? What sorts of evidence will this audience be less persuaded by? What kind of effect do you want to have on them? As part of thinking about effect, you also want to think about purpose. What do you want the thing that you are writing, your text, what do you want it to accomplish? Now often, as an academic writer, your answer to this question is, I want to finish the assignment and get a good grade. That's fine. That's a genre of persuasive writing. In this case, your audience is your professor. So think about the kinds of strategies that will help you reach your professor. What sorts of examples, evidence, etc. do you want to use? What does your professor know? What do they need to know? There are a lot of different ways to think about purpose. And your textbook helpfully lists a few of them. You can find that list again on slide number five. Uh, Some possible goals include persuading and inspiring your audience to act or think about an issue from your point of view. Uh, You can challenge your audience, make them question their currently established patterns of thinking or behavior. You can argue for or against something uh, that they believe or do in order to change their minds or that behavior. You can inform or teach them about a topic they don't know much about. You can connect with them emotionally help them feel understood. So there's a lot of different possible purposes, goals for writing, and you use different strategies and techniques depending on what you want that goal to be, right? If you want to persuade your audience that you're right about a particular topic, you give them evidence to back up your opinion. If you want them to, if you want to make your audience feel like you understand where they're coming from, maybe you share some personal stories that 
line up with what you think their experiences might be. There are all sorts of strategies that work toward different purposes and on different audiences. So having an awareness of who you want your text to reach and what you want your text to do really makes it easier to figure out how you want to write and what strategies you want to use. Your textbook also goes over the rhetorical triangle, which is something the odds are very good that you've seen before already. Uh, but just to revisit it once again on slide number six, when we talk about the rhetorical triangle, we're talking about these planks that add up ultimately to a persuasive text. So uh, when we talk about the kinds of evidence and examples, we talk about either pathos-based evidence, which is evidence rooted in emotion. Uh, it's based on having an emotional impact or a personal connection where you share your own lived experience or the case of a particular person that something has happened to you, as opposed to logos, which is based in logic and reason. This is where facts, statistics, case studies, and scientific evidence are concerned. So if you choose to tell a story about, say, fires in the Pacific Northwest, and you focus on a single family who has lost their home for the second time in five years, that is a pathos-based story. If instead you give statistics uh, about the number of families who've lost their homes, about the amount of property damage in dollars that forest fires have caused, that's a logos-based argument. Ultimately, the balance of pathos and logos and the way that you tailor your argument uh, to reach your audience and sort of the, the choices you make, uh, the kinds of evidence you use, the way you structure your writing all adds up to ethos, which is the sort of credibility of the author, the kind of persona that comes through. Are you trustworthy? Are you competent? You, the writer, does your reader feel safe and uh, situated in your text in that they clearly understand what they're supposed to get out of it. There is in your readings, and I've reproduced the link for you also here on slide number seven, a really good video that gives you a sort of better overview of rhetoric and sort of Aristotelian rhetoric, which is very, very, very old tradition. We're still using it. We're still thinking in these terms. So if you haven't already, please make sure that you watch this video because I believe it has some great useful context. Tone and point of view. When we talk about these things rhetorically, we're really talking about different approaches to reach different audiences. So there is no one right tone or point of view for every single text but there are right fits for particular audiences and particular purposes. We talk about tone a lot in English classes. And basically tone is word choice that adds up to a mood or effect, whether it's formal or informal, angry, sad, indifferent, pleading. All of these things are created by word choices. And your textbook has helpfully given you some examples. I've reproduced these on slide 10 for you. Uh, of these examples, yo, what's up? Hey, how you doing? And hello, how are you today? Only one of those probably sounds right coming from your professor's mouth, right? Chances are that you cringed a little bit hearing me read the first two. I certainly cringed saying them. It's kind of a little bit too informal, right? It's not something that you want an adult to say to you. It's just awkward. Um, said. 
if your best friend or your baby sister said, hello, how are you today? It might seem a little bit too formal. It might seem sort of out of context. So tone is about context and it's about relationship. Most of the time, the tone you take says something about the place you occupy in relation to your audience. That's true in everyday speech and it's absolutely true in writing. So generally speaking, academic writing tends towards formalities. It tends toward a kind of um, formalized tone that conveys seriousness and respect between author and audience. That's not to say that you need to bust out every archaic word that you know. It's not um, saying that you want to run for the thesaurus and, and cram in as many multisyllable words as you can, because in real life, no one really talks like that, right? So you can want to think about the tone you adapt in writing as very close to the tones you use in speech. And it's much easier for us as speakers to determine the appropriate tone, but that's because we speak much more than we write. Part of this kind of coming across to, a re to readers, uh, part of conveying your perspective as an author comes through point of view. And point of view really shows where the focus and perspective of an author is. A good way to think about this is to think about these sort of three different points of view in English. Uh, there's the first person point of view, which is rooted in the personal pronoun, the author's experience. So. You can see the examples on slide 11. I love watching the leaves change in the fall. Here the example is about me, right? You can, from the first person tone, it's the author's perspective. I love watching the leaves. The second example is in the second person. You will love watching the leaves change color. See how the focus is shifted in the second person from the speaker or author to the subject. So it's more now that I am telling you, the audience, you will love watching the leaves change color. And if that feels a little dictatorial, if it feels like I'm assuming something, I mean, what if you're like the one person who really doesn't like watching leaves change color? Probably many more than one people, excuse me, there's probably many more than one person who doesn't like it. But you can see how this makes assumptions about the audience, it dictates to them. So second person is a tricky uh, perspective to pick up or to, to use uh, in academic writing, as it feels a little dictatorial. It's not to say it's never used, it isn't often used, but there are ways and places where it's very effective. The third example here is the one that you most often use in academic writing, and that's the third person. The leaves in fall turn many vibrant colors. So here, it's not about I or you, it's about the sort of objective set apart it's about the leaves, the subject. It gives you information. It feels more distant. It's not about feeling. It's about evidence, about information. On slide 12, you can see one of the graphics from the textbook that sort of sums this up nicely in a sort of graphic way. Now it says points of view and then asks you to think about the focus of your writing. And it, it represents this as sort of concentric circles, right? First person is the smallest one. I, me, us, we, mine. It's the personal tone that's focused on the writer. Second person, you, your, yours. Direct tone used when the writer knows the reader well and is writing to them, feels comfortable making assumptions about them. Third person, she, he, it, they, them, their. Theirs. This is the formal universal 
tone, excuse me, for writing that's focused on events, issues, or people outside of the reader and writer. And again, that's the tone that you tend to use more often in academic writing. Now, I know some people who write more easily in the first person, and then they like to switch into the third person when they are sort of formalizing drafts. It's okay to do that, absolutely. But generally speaking, you want to think about making sure that you use the third person unless you are explicitly instructed otherwise, or unless it makes more sense. If you're writing a personal narrative, by all means, use the first person. If you're writing an essay about the fall of the Byzantine Empire, use the third person. So think about, as we've talked about throughout this lecture, think about your audience, think about your purpose, think about the tone and the perspective that will best reflect that purpose. The more logos-based your argument is, generally speaking, the more you want to gravitate toward that third person because it aligns, the perspective aligns with the type of evidence. Your textbook also provides some really good practice scenarios that asks you to use the same purpose but adapt it for different audiences. And you can see on this last slide, the link is available. Uh, it's a great idea and to choose, to, to follow, the, do the exercise. Choose at least two of the scenarios and uh, see what you come up with. Think about your tone, think about uh, what kinds of evidence will work, think about how to best persuade your audience. Uh, because the more you do this, the easier it gets and the more instinctual it will be. All right, that's gonna do it for determining audience and purpose. I'll be back again next week with more content.